Hello and welcome to this bonus edition of the Pure Football Podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories, people's stats and rumours about football in Scotland and beyond. By fans, for fans. And this week I'm joined by a, a special guest, uh, Ali Maxwell, and I'm going to leave you for all of five seconds to guess whether it's Ali Maxwell from the Not The Top 20 podcast or Ali Maxwell, the former Scotland B goalkeeper. And without further ado, it's actually Ali Maxwell from the NTT 20 podcast. Ali, how are you doing? I was going to try and put on a terrible Scottish accent and pretend <laughs> to be the 54-year-old former Scotland B international, but uh, I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on. I think for our listeners' benefit, you should say pure football one more time. In which accent? My bad Scottish <laughs> accent or my bad English accent? <laughs> Either or, mate. I'll, I'll leave that one up to you. This is Ali Maxwell guesting on the Pure Fitba podcast. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Ali, thank you so much for joining us. So for anyone that doesn't know uh, the work that you do, Ali, where, what, give us a bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my great friend and now pod partner, George Ellick, and I set up the Not The Top 20 pod about three and a half years ago. Uh, we cover the EFL, so we ignore the Premier League entirely. That is something that gets covered to death in a, in a pretty terrifying way. Uh, and we have always been massive fans of the EFL and, and we sort of thought, well, let's give it the analysis, let's give it the, uh, I guess, the importance and the sort of coverage that the, the Premier League teams are getting, or at least let's try and do that because it's not easy yeah. with 72 teams. Um, and, and you know, we, we've we've really enjoyed doing it. And thankfully, we found an audience that just really, really enjoys listening to slightly more in-depth stuff than you get through mainstream media. Um, and we do two pods a week. We do a, a Monday pod sort of recapping uh, what's happened on the weekend. We do a betting show as well, looking ahead to the weekend in that sense. Um, and we've, do, we've done loads of specials as well sat down with managers such as Paul Heckingbottom and many others. Um, and we just absolutely love covering the EFL. We've been lucky to get some opportunities with Sky Sports uh, and talk sport and stuff. So, yeah, we, we've grown it really nicely and, and we're getting ready for a big season. Excellent, mate. And uh, I think, you know, if you listen to our podcast, I highly recommend that you go check out uh, Ali and George at the NTT20 pod. Um, so you just mentioned, actually, one of the, the topics we're going to speak about. So... Paul Heckenbottom, the former Barnsley and Leeds manager, now manages Hibernian. Um, what what sort of so he's been here for about six months now. What was your so you guys actually met Paul Heckenbottom? Is that right? Yeah, I went up to Barnsley to interview him last December. I think it was when he was out of work. Uh huh. And uh, so when you met Paul, what was your sort of takeaways from him in terms of his characteristics, his management style? What's just as a, a sort of quick oversight into his full season at Hibernian? Yeah, I mean, very um, a lot of traits that you'd recognise in someone from Yorkshire. Um, a okay. real, real determination. Someone that is not going to suffer fools gladly. Um, someone who, you know, very much spoke his mind, which was absolutely brilliant for a podcast guest, and we yep. were thrilled because he didn't hold back on things that had happened in his career in a way that. You know, sometimes you think managers or, or people involved in football might not always tell the whole story for whatever reason to try and cover themselves or to try and sort of, uh, you know, keep the keep the drama, keep the rumours away. But Hecky was very, very honest with us. Um, he'd had a really interesting sort of start in management where he wasn't even sure he wanted to be a manager, but kind of got to a point with Barnsley where he was so influential um, as 
well, just below management level that when Lee Johnson left, uh, he was kind of the obvious choice. And he had such an amazing first year and a half taking them up to the championship, um, taking them into the top half in the first half of the season, which for a club of Barnsley's size with the young squad they had was an amazing achievement. Uh, and then it all kind of came tumbling down, partly to do, sadly, with just some some loose decision-making in terms of contracting players. Um, a lot of the key guys' contracts were running down and Barnsley hadn't really thought ahead to, to lock that down. Okay. Um, and they lost some of their key players and they sort of dropped away. But yeah, I mean, we thought that despite that, um, well, we thought that despite his slightly difficult spell with Leeds, which didn't last very long, that we really felt he was still a very good manager and deserved another chance. So I was kind of sad to see him go to Hibs uh, in the sense that we didn't get to cover a, a heck and bottom team um, and we won't for a while, hopefully. Uh, but yeah. it, it seems to have gone quite well. And, I'm, uh, you know, do, do you get the feeling yeah. that Hibs fans have taken to him? Yeah, absolutely. I think what what you're speaking about there is, is spot on. Uh, I think they like his, his honesty. Um most of his, his interviews in the press, he he calls it exactly how it is. Um, you don't get the sort of politician's answer. Um, if Hibs have played well, he'll rave about it. If they've not, he absolutely calls it out as well, which I think, as a fan, that's what you want, right? Mm. Um, so in terms of Heckenbottom, he's already had a bit of a raid uh, from players that we <laughs> assume he knows from uh, down south. So just going straight into some of the signings that he's made for Hibs, what can you tell us about, uh, let's start with Tom James from Yeovil, the right back. Yeah, so Yeovil were relegated to non-league uh, last season. It was a horrendous year for the club. It's a good start. Yeah, um, <laughs> James, I mean, James is, is was, I guess, their best player, or at least I would have considered him to be their best player. But as a right back or a left back, um, really naturally, I think it, it can be quite difficult to have a huge impact on a team that is struggling basically in all areas of the pitch. But he wasn't really meant to be there last season. He he was ready to sign for West Brom uh, oh, wow. about this time last year. You know, and, and West Brom at that stage had just come down from the Premier League. They had plenty of cash to spend and they wanted to spend 400k on, uh, on Tom James. So, you know, that really sort of piqued the interest. You think someone must have seen something there. Um, so I tried to keep an eye on him last season. He, he, he can play right or left back. Um, very comfortable with both feet. Naturally right-footed though. Um, but he also, and you see this quite often in League Two or League One, if if someone playing fullback is just clearly a level above the rest of his teammates, yeah. they quite often get moved into midfield just to see if they can yeah. do a job there. So that's what happened with him. He played in midfield the second half of the season, um, sort of basically screening the defence. Uh, nothing really stood out to me in, in that role. He... I mean, he he's a good. He was a very good technical player for League Two level. So how much that translates to you know top half of the Scottish Prem, I don't know. The most notable thing I can tell you about him is that okay. he he takes. I don't know if they will have seen yet or how much he's played in in this League Cup thing that you've got going on. But yep. he takes like knuckleball free kicks, like proper oh, okay. proper swervers, hits across it, causes ridiculous swerve. Uh, there was a there was a period last season where he scored three free kicks in the space of five weeks. Wow, um, and that's... two two of them were properly like, you know, the ones where it looks yep. it looks like it's gone quite close to the keeper, but the keeper just has absolutely no idea what's going on. Yep. So um, that's quite fun, and and speaks to I guess a um, yeah a, a really good technique. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does um, with Hibs. Yeah, so uh, he's, they've made quite a few signings um, already, Hibs. So they've they've brought in uh, I think it's six players in total, um, and I'm not expecting you to go through every one, but uh, so Chris Doyle, Joe Newell, Adam Jackson. Josh Vela 
and Chris Maxwell. Out of those players that have been brought in, who's the one or two that we should be the most excited about? Yeah, let me. I'll just give you a little bit on each one, um, okay. just a sort of brief overview. Christian Deutsch had a really tough year last year. He was absolutely banging in the goals at League Two level, a really natural finisher, quite a big guy, but not to my eyes particularly comfortable as a, as a target man just more of a real sort of fox in the box type uh, and he went to Bolton obviously stepping up two divisions but it was a terrible move he didn't play very much he was playing when he did for a, a terrible Bolton side who barely could get the ball to him uh, and in January he went back to Forest Green because it turned out Bolton hadn't actually paid his transfer fee or wow. any of his wages so you know big issues at Bolton and uh, still yet to be sorted out but he went back to Forest Green scored a fair few goals second half of the season and, uh, you know, gets a, a move where thankfully he, he should have a bit more security now. Again, it's a big step up. Um, I do believe that if he has chances created for him, he is a natural finisher, as I mentioned, and I think he, he can and will score goals. I think outside of that, I I, I don't think he's like an all-round striker. Um, okay. So, and I'm, I, I must admit, I'm not entirely sure what he's like sort of without the ball, but I know that's quite important in in a hecking bottom yeah. system that the uh, that the strikers will be hardworking, harrying and, and sort of defending from the front. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a big step up for him and I've no doubt that he will be working his hardest. My feeling is that he's he's just this sort of, maybe I'm doing him a disservice. My feeling is that he's a, a kind of a pure goal scorer. So in a team that creates a lot of chances, he might score a fair few goals. But in a team that creates a sort of mid or low level of chances, he might be the sort of player that, that fans think, you know, what's he doing in, in this side? Adam Jackson is... Centre-back that, that Hecky knows really well from Barnsley. Um, and he didn't have a great year last season. He, he was kind of, the previous season when they were relegated from the Championship, he had a run in the team, but the team weren't playing well and they were conceding quite a lot of goals. Last season, although he was there, it was clear that he was behind uh, Liam Lindsay and, and Ethan Pinnock in the pecking order. So he didn't really play much at all. I mean, those two guys are, are really fantastic players. Lindsay's now yeah. with Stoke and, and Pinnock with Brentford. So that's not a necessarily a knock on him, but yeah. I, I definitely haven't seen like loads of him in the last year or two to be confident that he's sort of top, top level. And I really like... Think, um, oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you think that's more just about Heckenbottom getting players that will know his system, his expectations, etc.? Is that is that maybe more that signing, do you think, then? Yeah, I think so. I also think there was a period of time where he took the armband at Barnsley, so... You know, in okay. terms of in terms of your off field or your or your intangible sort of stuff, um, you know that's that's an, that's going to be an important sort of thing for Hecky and and to get someone that he knows can offer that sort of stuff knows is a good character to to be part of a good dressing room. I'm sure that'll be a, a big thing. The same could be said for Joe Newell, who Hecky will know just through playing against him. Uh, Newell's, okay. been, Newell's been with Rotherham for the last few years, and they've kind of flitted between Championship and League One a bit like Barnsley. Um, <laughs> he's definitely a serious character. He he's quite good on Twitter. Quite a lot of good okay tweets from him stuff. that I've seen. Um, but also he's a proper all rounder down the left side. Really hard worker. Great sort of physical uh, skills and attributes. Not necessarily lightning pace, but just like stamina, okay. endurance, that sort of thing. Uh, and a really good left foot. He scored some spectacular goals as well. Whipped in a good cross. So I think you know. For a, for a hecky team where, to my eyes, that the wide men are not necessarily like silky wingers, skillful wingers who are you know who who need to be a bit of X factor, but actually more to do with being part of the team, working hard, tracking their fullback, and also offering plenty going forward. I think that's a good signing. Um, and then Josh Vell is a really interesting one. 
really needed a change of scenery. Came through the system at Bolton, local lad. Um, you know, had an unbelievable season in League One as they got promoted. Proper goal scorer, creator, dominating midfields. Looked really, really good. Hasn't worked in the championship. Again, I'm happy to put that down to the club itself being in turmoil. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they played such long ball football that it was just going over his head. But at the same time, I think that the fans wanted to see a bit more from him. And obviously, local lads always have higher expectations. But I think they wanted to see a bit more from him when he did play. Um, and that's why I, th- I think a change of scenery will do him good. Uh, I've seen, I think he's been playing at the base as a, as a sort of six. Um mm-hmm. I, I always thought of him as a bit more of a box-to-box role. Um, bit of an all-rounder. Uh, you know, that season in League One, he was he was very much arriving into the box. He was a proper goal threat, um, but he sort of did, did a bit of everything as well. So, yeah, interested to see how he goes in Hibs. I think he could be a really good signing, but, you know, it sort of remains to be seen how much last season would have affected him, what sort of shape he's in. Uh, and then Chris Maxwell, I can't give you too much on him. Another Maxwell to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I, I must admit, judging goalkeepers, not my strongest point. So I, I, I try not to sort of try and sound like an expert on goalies. I know that Preston fans, not too sad to see him go. Um, okay. And so, yeah, sort of remains to be seen on that one. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, that's amazing insight. And I think, um, you know what, all the listeners that are Hibs fans will really appreciate that. Um, so just to move things on, you know, sort of swiftly, we've got so much to get through. So what about um, Celtic signing Luca Connell from One Direction? <laughs> yeah, what, what a real old school, old school lid on him, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's a fantastic haircut. And for anyone that listens to our podcast, they'll know that haircuts are really important to me. So yeah. Um, so yeah, Luca Connell. He was he was brought in from Bolton. Who again you mentioned when speaking about Josh Feller going through a bit of turmoil. So he he came in towards the end of the season. Eighteen um, year old kid. What what do you know about him, or what have you seen from him? I cannot believe he wasn't playing beforehand because when he came into the team, it was you know they were absolutely doomed. We knew things were really bad off the pitch. You wouldn't expect anything from them in any game, basically. And it kind of, to my eyes, I, I thought when I saw he was starting the first game that you, I kind of thought like, poor lad, they've chucked him in because they don't want to pay appearance fees for the senior players or something like that. I just assumed he was your sort of average under 18 player who'd, you know, who'd had mm-hmm. a good season. They wanted to give him a go. And that was not the case at all. He was like so classy, looked so yeah. just like aside from technical ability, which we'll get, get onto just like... Looked like the most mature player on the pitch. Um, he was he was playing centre mid, but kind of dropping deepest to pick the ball up from the centre backs when they weren't going long, which they normally did. Um, and it, okay. was just, it was just so notable that he had a really good awareness when he, you know, that that's such a important role, dropping deep and picking the ball up often with your, you know, you know, facing your own goal. That is a, a risky business, and he just looked so clever in terms of knowing when to. Just keep keep it moving, keep recycling it, maybe backwards and then and then make another move to receive. But also, and this is where I get very excited because I love people who can progress the ball through the middle of the pitch, but yep. also sort of being able to understand when there might be a chance for him to, to get it, drop his shoulder um, and then play a ball forward. Uh, so I was really impressed with his temperament, really impressed with his sort of awareness, his vision. Um, and that left foot looks like a bit of a gem as well. Um, he sprayed a fair few balls out wide, always on the money. Um, and, he, you know, he, he looked like very accurate with his passing. So I didn't see too much 
uh, in the clips that I watched, like uh, of him doing much other than that, to be honest. And obviously he's okay. young. He's not the most physical. So I'm sure he'll need to fill out a little bit to be part of a, you know, a big old firm central midfield battle. But yeah, really impressed with what I've seen. So yeah, I was uh, another one that I was a bit jealous is moving to Scotland rather than staying in the EFL. Yeah, I think um, I've seen there was you know quite a few clubs after him. So I, I, a lot of the reports were that um, really positive that Celtic were able to to bring him in. Um, so that sounds really exciting, and I think that the sixth position uh, is something that Celtic are going to have to look at uh, long term with Scott Brown. So that's that's some positive news mm. for them. Um, so another player that's came uh, across the the border, um, George Edmondson, moving from Oldham to Rangers. What's your your thoughts on him? He was a League Two Player of the Season, is that right? Uh, I don't think. And he... the team, sorry. In yeah, the team, sorry. yeah, they've been in the team. I mean, it's just so impressive. It was such an impressive campaign for him on a few different levels. I mean, firstly, I don't think there was any other uh, central defender, age twenty or under, who was playing consistently for any team in League One and League Two. It's just the sort of divisions where that doesn't happen. You don't trust a defender that age. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you just don't see it. He was the, the only one. So, of course, from the start of the season, uh, you're keeping your eye on him. You're like, okay, are all them just doing this because they don't have any other options or is it because he's legitimately good? And he was easily their best defender. Um, he, to be honest, didn't have that much around him. They were, they were a bit of a mess as well. Uh, he played next to Peter Clark, who is like 37 years old, looks about 50 and moves with all the pace of a 50 year old as well. So he, he, had, he, had, a, he, had, a, he had a big job to do Edmondson. Um, and I just like, I just liked a bit of everything of what I saw from him, to be honest. He's, he's tall, um, decent in the air, like looks like he's very happy with a physical battle, but you know, that with that sort of old school, lower league stuff, he mixed it with, you know, the, the sort of more modern, more technical style. I, you know, I don't think he's like the most technical centre-back I've ever seen, but certainly able to play a simple pass well. Certainly, you know, not getting his team into trouble. And um, yeah, just again, another player who... The, the strides that he made in one full season of, of football down at League Two level mean that I can't wait to see what he might be like in sort of three, four years' time if he gets plenty of game time. I think um, he's yeah, the he sort of player that, that I'm really impressed with. So he's he's already started a few Europa League games for Rangers, and uh, one thing that stood out to me—I'm not sure if you've seen much of this on the tape—but uh, he seems to quite enjoy a long diag. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's something that Rangers at times struggled with last season was the um, not catching teams, uh, or sorry, trying to play it through teams rather than trying to catch them cold mm. uh, at times by progressing the ball quickly. Um, is that something that he was quite successful with at Oldham? Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. Um, I, I, it, it wasn't something that sort of stuck out when I watched him play okay. um, the Diags, but maybe that's something that, that Stevie G has, has sort of asked him to work yep. on and asked him to do a bit more. As I said, like he looked perfectly capable as a passer. He wasn't trying anything too ambitious uh, in Oldham colours. But you know, when you start uh -huh. playing, you know that they, they weren't playing matches uh, on a similar sort of level to Rangers. It, it, you know, yep. those games were not as as technical. Those games were. You know they didn't have as much possession as probably Rangers would have had, and and therefore the onus was not necessarily on him as a passer, but more as a defender. So yeah, I mean it's it's very possible that he's got more in his locker in that sense, and that would that would sort of tick him up even further in my estimation. Yeah, that that sounds really exciting, and I, I know we didn't speak about this one, but just a quick take from you around uh, Joe Aribo. Um He's started like a, 
absolute train with Rangers, his performances. What 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 can we expect from him? Yeah, I mean, we couldn't have been more more impressed with him. Really, uh, certainly second half of last season, part of a really good Charlton side, found a, a, his sort of perfect position in a in a in a diamond in midfield on the either on the left of the diamond or as the as the most as the highest up as the point. Um, and what really sticks out about him, and I'm, I'm sure people saw it last night, is just his dribbling ability, which for a central midfield player is so rare and so valuable because um, what you'll quite often see is if, if he can beat his, you know, his immediate man in midfield, then obviously you're going to have either another midfielder, potentially the centre-back or, or, or the full-back coming inside. Someone's got to go inside to try and stop him. That's the threat that he poses. And, uh, and, and he's certainly showing... Something he probably needs to develop more and more, but that vision to be able to to draw the second man and play the pass, it just opens teams up completely, and that's where you know defensive breakdowns happen, and that's where you know even if he's not ending up with an assist or even with a goal, you you can sort of take the move back, and you realise that it's a Rebo's class, it's a Rebo skill that has created this yeah. whole thing. So that was what was so notable about him. He just it was just almost impossible for teams to get the ball off him, um, and at times you know you felt like. You'd actually, he kind of seemed to be toying with with teams, um, and maybe yeah. maybe holding on to it a bit too long. I'm sure that will that will be sort of trained out of him by Gerard. Um, but yeah, again, like you know, just a player that we expected to see get a move to the top end of the Championship or bottom end of the Premier League, uh, and instead he's going to get plenty of game time at Rangers. And I just I will not be surprised if 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 in a year's time. Premier League clubs are thinking, yeah, it's time that we get him on board just because he offers something a little bit different and so impressive. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. I think we've all been really impressed with his performances so far. So, Ali, I want to ask you just a bit about who's the Scottish players uh, in the EFL that you like to watch or the players that you are impressed with? Well, first of all, when I was thinking about this, I got a bit sad because I realised that we've lost John McGinn and John Fleck. Uh, obviously, yeah. both, both moving up to the Premier League, both hugely deserving and, in my eyes, ready for their for their chance. And that's exactly the sort of player that I enjoy watching those sorts of central midfield players who have the sort of Scottish spirit that that sees them absolutely love flying into a tackle yeah you know always at the you know never never putting in a a, a performance where it doesn't look like they're trying um, but also in the case of those guys absolute quality in their in their left boot yeah. um, and yeah. that is just such a such a deadly mixture uh, certainly at championship level so I can't wait to see how they get on so I had to sort of think about some others. Um, I really like Murray Wallace at, at Millwall. He sort of just improved quite quietly from being a Scunthorpe player that became their really their key man in defence. And I guess the move to Millwall, who are one of the least fashionable championship clubs, means that there there won't be people necessarily in the media focusing on him. Uh, but I I, uh-huh. I think he can be part of quite a good Millwall team this year that can upset some people. Um, and then Fleetwood's an interesting one because they've signed uh, Coots and... They've also got Jordan Rossiter on loan. Uh, yep. Obviously, Coots was was a sort of star man for Sheffield United just before they got really good uh, yep. and, and then picked up such a horrendous injury and sort of never really found his way back in. But absolutely loved at Blades and they're all sort of just desperate for him to to get back on the pitch and, and sort of refine those those levels. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and Rossiter, who we loved at, at Berry last season, uh, obviously playing under Joey Barton. So that'll be interesting. And then I wasn't yep. sure if... Um, I wasn't sure uh, who Siriki Dembele is actually signed down to play for <laughs> if he ever plays, but obviously part of a, a fairly famous footballing family up, up north yep. of the border. 
Uh, and yep. someone who has had a strange two years, really, since he's come to England. First year at Grimsby, like I was so excited to see him signing, you know, having watched clips of him from the Nike Academy. And it was just such an unusual, like it was such an unusual pathway for him. Um, yep. And he did play very well for them, but sort of in in spells, in patches, he wasn't that consistent and they weren't a particularly good team either. Um, but Peterborough sort of took a chance on him and he's clearly developing there. They have very high hopes for him. Again, last season, his output wasn't sensational, I don't think. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, I really want him to do well, so I feel myself being a bit biased sometimes. But if, okay. I'm honest, if I'm honest, he wasn't at the top of League One in terms of like output for wingers, but I do still feel that he could be. So this could be a big season for him. Well, I, yeah, he's definitely part of a, a famous family. Uh, so, yeah, um, there's obviously loads of Scottish contingent uh, down south. We spoke about a lot of players, um, but just to move on to a manager, um, what about Jack Ross at Sunderland? It seems to be that it's actually been a bit disappointing. That's the feeling that's coming across uh, up here. Yeah, it's a really, really tough topic, this, because you have to sort of understand the, the Sunderland that he walked into uh, off the back of a double relegation, uh, the end of a of an ownership uh, bloke called Ellis Short that had just been absolutely disastrous for the club, both on the pitch and financially, uh, and new owners coming in uh, basically to to try and sift through the mess and to try and turn around the club off the pitch in terms of finances to actually you know make sure that they can keep operating. So it wasn't the easiest circumstances for him to work to, to walk into. One of the things that's impressed me most with Ross is his temperament. Um, he, I, as far as I can tell, never really complained about anything that was happening off the pitch. Pretty much just got on with his job, has been very good. Uh, just, just basically, they kind of regenerated in the first few months of the season uh, and over the summer, last summer, uh, off the pitch. And he was a big part in sort of helping to that regeneration, helping the fans to reconnect with the club. And there was a lot of excitement going into the season and things started quite well. But you know, the long and short of it is they've got a very, very good team on paper. They have a lot of good players and they were able to sign Will Grigg in January for four million pounds, which is a lot of money. So the expectations were high and they didn't meet them, to be quite honest. Uh, there was a point mid-season where they were in second and they looked pretty good. But the numbers, underlying numbers were always saying the same thing, which is that, you know, this is a team that is you know, they're basically giving up as many good chances as they're creating for themselves. And for a while, they were running pretty hot. You know, the goalie, the Scotsman, uh, McLaughlin, he had a fantastic mm-hmm. first half of the season, saved a lot of points for them. Uh, and then they had someone like McGeady up front or, or out on the wing who could create a bit, a bit of something special. But ultimately, like, you know, we believe in those underlying numbers on the pod. And we sort of said, I don't think this, yep. this, this cannot continue, really. Uh, and they did fall away a bit. They ended up finishing fifth which was just unimaginable about two months out from the end of the season. And although they did well in the semi-final of the playoffs to get past Portsmouth, it was a really tight game, really cagey. Like, I don't think the playoff final reflected very well on Ross at all. You know, there'd been talk about style of play and how no one really thought he was getting the best out of some of those attacking players. It was very like, it felt like they were setting up to defend in games where they should have been the dominant force. And there was a lot of just let's ping a Diag out to, to Aidan McGeady and see what he can do. So 
kind of disappointing really and, and that playoff final was not a very good look for him with with a lot of people watching they yeah. were they were gifted a goal in the second minute nothing to do with them the the, the, the goalie missed a uh, pass back and it went in so they had the lead and they didn't hold on to it and ended up losing so it's a really important first few months for him he's been you know he's obviously been backed he's being trusted to to get it right this time but he absolutely has to start the season well um, again, they should have the, the sort of talent advantage in every game. And I really want to see them open up a little bit because um, I think if they don't start well, if the football doesn't improve, uh, I'm not sure that he'll be in the job. It, it, you know, if there's any risk of them missing yeah. out on promotion again, I don't think he'll last until sort of Christmas time if things aren't looking good. Yeah, I was I was quite worried about some of his recruitment choices um, when, when I, I looked at them. And again, I don't know the... You know the the EFL numbers in great detail, but I thought when he brought in uh, Will Greg, when he already had Charlie Wyke as well, mm. um, and Josh Maja was still at the the team, or Josh Maya, I'm not sure you pronounce it. Yeah, um, so they lo- they lost him. That was a big moment as well. They lost him in January. Got signed by Bordeaux. Uh, it was one of those where I think he only had six months left on his contract. So that you know, and he was doing so well that the question was for them. Do we keep him and he might fire us up to promotion and then leave for free? Or do we sell him? I think they got like two million euros for him. Yep. So it was a decent fee. But ultimately, he was another player. He, he scored something like 75% of his shots on target. And that's yeah. just, you know, if for that to be sustainable, they would have to have signed like the best striker in the world. And they, they didn't. Yep. So, yeah, you're right. A lot of the additions didn't make a huge impact. Um, again, this summer, they're sort of signing... You know, recognisable League One players. Um, nothing spectacular so far. So, but they, they, you know, they've kept McGeady. They've got Grant Ledbit, who's a great player. I'm looking forward to seeing more from Dylan McGeoch. Uh and they've got Maguire as well, who's our favourite player on the pod, just for his pure okay. shithousery. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm I'm definitely not writing them off. Uh, but there's a lot for him to do to to sort of impress us and uh, and certainly a lot of the Sunderland fans. Yeah, that, I mean that we we all want him to do really well up here, and uh, he's a really likable character, Jack Cross. So I hope it works out. Um, yeah, I agree. But it's a it's a it's a really difficult league, isn't it, League One? So, um, so yeah, it's just one we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we've got time for one more topic. Yeah, go on. So I kind of put you on the spot there because if you said no, then you you sound like a dick. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go to Swansea. Let's go to Wales. Um, so there's quite a, there's a Scottish contingent there. Most importantly, uh, Ollie McBurney, who, if you don't follow him on Instagram, I highly recommend it because his Instagram game is on point. Um, <laughs> he rocks about in like Gucci tracks. So it's all the things, again, that really matter to me. Um, so what's your expectations for Swansea this year? They obviously lost Graham Potter. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect from them as a team because they've, they've got a, a new manager in Steve Cooper who has never managed... A senior level before but is very well respected in, in youth development uh, in the English game so it's hard to know what to expect because you know we think managers play a big part in a, in a team's success and they've lost Daniel James who was a bit of x-factor uh, uh, um, from the wing I mean I love McBurney I hope that they keep him uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if if someone does decide to pay quite a lot of money for him because if he does stay I'd exp- you know I think he scored 22 league goals last season which is unbelievable amount the fact that there was some other very high scoring strikers in the championship shouldn't take away from the fact that that is a really impressive amount especially for a team that was kind of mid-table um I just think he's fantastic I love how how sort of unconventional he is um yep. in the sense that he's obviously tall he does score a lot of headed goals he's he's perfectly good in the air he's perfectly good holding the ball up with his back to goal 
but you can just tell that's not really how he wants to play. Uh, mm -hmm. And he's sort of, you know, unlike some other big guys who don't want to be target men and, and try and be sort of number 10s but can't really pull it off, like his, his passing's really good. When he drops deep, you know, his link-up play is really clever. He got an unbelievable assist in a friendly the other day that I just loved, just sort of driving forward, midfielder ran past him, and he managed to sort of dink it through the two centre-backs and it was finished off. Um, so I, I, I really rate him, to be honest. Uh, I'm not sure if it's quite worked for him uh, in the Scotland kit so far, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, in, this Swansea team should be built around him if he stays. And it could be, you know, it could be the sort of season where he has a really good season. Uh, as for the other Scottish contingent, I'm still sort of waiting to see a bit more of all of them. Uh, I think Fulton will have more of a role this season. He was kind of, I think he was more of a sort of reserve bench option uh, last okay. season. But I think he'll be a starter this season. Could be quite an important player for them now that Leroy Fair has gone, uh, scored an absolute screamer in a friendly the other day. So I, could, I can't tell you too much about him, but I, I yep. probably will be able to in a few months' time. Okay. Um, I saw George Byers play in the flesh and was really impressed with him. I hadn't seen anything of him before that. I saw him play off the left in this like really fluid 4-4-2 where the strikers were all wingers and the wingers were wingers and the central midfielders were practically wingers. Like Swansea did things a bit differently last season and it was quite fun to watch. Um, and he looked really tidy, like, you know, quite quick. Um, not really sure what his best best position is meant to be, to be honest. But um, again, uh, you know, he looks like he'll fit the mould of being able to play very pretty football in this Swansea team, if that's what they continue with. Uh, and Barry Mackay is not really part of the same gang, I wouldn't say. Uh, yeah. He sort of just didn't really didn't really do much at Nottingham Forest. Really struggled to to sort of impress on a consistent level but always has those moments where he scores a screamer yeah. or he goes on an amazing yeah. run. Uh, and he, he's also sort of struggled to, to break in at Swansea. And I must admit, I don't really know why. So I, I think he's someone that like Scottish football fans thought would do quite well in England, but it hasn't quite worked for him yet. Yeah. Yep. So uh, Ali, thank you so much for joining us. Um, just before you sign off, where can uh, everyone find you? Uh, London? No. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me at NTT20Pod. Uh, George and I are releasing uh, our 1 to 24 prediction pods for all three EFL divisions early next week. So if you want to get a bit more into the EFL this season, that'd be quite a good place to start. You can listen to, to what we think about how some of the teams are shaping up and maybe pick a couple of teams to, to follow as we head into the season. Thank you so much for joining us, Al. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you for your insight. Cheers, thanks for having me. Cheers, bye-bye.